episode 320, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 7, episode 5, A Trout in the Milk. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7, a podcast discussing basically right now it's Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because that's what's happening right now, live this summer, final season, and it's been a good one, but will they be able to maintain how good it's been? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. For right now, though, I'm not alone. My name's Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with Agent Stu, Stuart from the the UP. And uh, and also with Agent Samantha. Yay! Hey, hey every- hello, everyone. <laughs> Again, cheering yourself. I don't know how. how that... hey, I'm doing the raise the roof gesture too. So Ooh. this is—it's never going to end, Ben. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, you know. What was you be you? Right, that's the phrase. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, you you be you. Uh, oh, that'd be a cool uh, droid name. For yeah, Ooh. for a science fiction no, thing. Yeah, you be Ubu. Ubu. Sit, Ubu. Sit. I was just thinking that. Good <laughs> yeah, dog. Like... If you would like to learn more about good dogs, you can learn them at your local library. Hey, did you watch Voyagers? Uh, I think one episode. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine being an 80s kid watching that thing. And yeah, it's it was wonderful for me. I wanted to be Jeffrey, but I couldn't because nope. time travel is not, not real. But it is real in the MCU now. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. We're going to go into the 70s. and uh, But before we, we jump into it, I just want to mention that we are going to have one more person join us on this podcast for our post-credit. And Stuart, that's going to be your wife, Melissa. Yeah, yeah, we're um we're running a Kickstarter, and she's gonna come in and talk to us about what it is and how we can help and and how we can get a, a gluten free bakery going. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that'll be our post credit, which it's still relevant to our interest. It's just relevant for a different reason. It's not relevant for the geeky reasons. It's relevant for the the family reasons. You might say the real life reasons. You, you yes. could. You could. <laughs> Uh, relevant for delicious reasons. Yes. That <laughs> yes. Is also yeah. Which is funny. I will we'll talk about it. I'm sure. But, uh, normally you say gluten free. You don't think delicious. So no, you don't. But my waistline says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, sounds like a personal problem, but yeah, well, <laughs> you try living with a, a an award-winning gluten-free baker. Hey, let's talk about some not so real life things. Uh, yeah, like time travel to the seventies, and <laughs> this episode. Uh, the title is "A Trout in the Milk," or as I like to refer to it, remember Winter Soldier? You like that, <laughs> yeah. right? Let's let's remind you of that again. Yeah, this episode, Winter Soldier in the seventies. That's that's what this was. 
Would you call this low rent Winter Soldier? I think that it would deserve that moniker. Yes. Yeah. Low rent. But it was still low good, rent though. TV Winter Soldier. Yeah. I will say that after I watched the episode the second time, I immediately turned on Disney Plus and watched Captain America Winter Soldier just so I could refresh my memory. Of course, I didn't watch it that hard because I was cleaning my apartment, but oh. it was in the background. I was hearing the conversations. Such a good movie. Yeah, oh, it is actually. Okay, so there's two places we could start here as we're talking about the title, just the title. Um, we can talk about the title, A Trout in the Milk, or we can talk about Winter Soldier. We're going to be talking about Winter Soldier or the title one way or another. And actually, spoilers, uh, our spoiler policy is we have covered Winter Soldier, so we will be spoiling Winter Soldier. If you haven't seen it, if you've seen this episode and haven't seen Winter Soldier, you owe it to yourself right now to at least get the free Disney Plus uh, trial period and watch Winter Soldier because this episode will mean so much more to you when you do that. Yeah. But, but that's our spoiler policy. If, if you haven't seen Winter Soldier and have seen this episode, call us. Talk to us because I want to hear what you think. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah, that would be interesting to come into this without the knowledge of that. Yeah. Um, we have talked about Winter Soldier so much in the last few episodes, though. And yes, it all comes down to Winter Soldier and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had an amazing crossover. Amazing yes, crossover. Unprecedented on television. And we that's a highlight for us of the series. And of course, as we're wrapping Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. up, um, we've, we keep coming back to some of those highlights. And, and that is a highlight. Um, it Not only is it a highlight for the series, it's a highlight for me personally. Like that is one of my favorite memories of going to the movies, going to the, the cinema, you know, is, is watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Friday or going on Saturday, then watching next Tuesday's episode. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I would say MCU highlight right there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and those episodes around Winter Soldier are in the running for top episodes of this show of all time, except for one thing. And that's last episode. Yeah. The, the more I watch I watched last episode after we recorded our episode about it. I watched it again because I just liked it so much. It was just so much fun. Um, this episode was also so much fun, but not as much fun, but it was a lot of fun for sure. This sure. season is gearing up to be one of my favorite seasons, if not my favorite season of, of this series. Well, I posted it on Facebook um, on, on the welcome to level seven page. I, I said, why did they wait this long to start doing these episodes? Yeah. yeah. We had to go through rock opera to get to this. Come on guys. You know, honestly, I mean this, this stuff. Okay. Leading up to this, there has been some misses, but not a lot, not a lot of misses rock opera being one. Uh, and there's been some good stuff, you know, Ghost Rider. That was a good arc. Yeah, it was good. Uh, was the whole future arc. That was a good arc. You know, they had some the, really good stuff going on. Um, so I'm not saying I want to take that away and have just what they're what they've been doing the last couple episodes, but but I'm almost saying that. Like this this is such good stuff. 
you know this i don't know if this is actual or factual but this feels like like they had different leadership you know it felt like especially with the last season season six and the rock opera they were really handcuffed and then this they said no 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 handcuffs are lifted off you can do some things you can't do everything but here's a little bit more leeway here's a little bit more leash tell a good story i feel like they there's a lot of freedom here for sure yeah now they knew when they started last season they knew they had two seasons left they knew they were being picked up for two seasons but there were two 13 episode seasons. They also knew that they were coming off of that ending uh, where Coulson dies, but they're going to keep Clark Gregg. And so I think that that might be the starting point for last season is, okay, if we're going to keep Clark Gregg and let him do acting, you know, and not just be Coulson again, um, I think that might've been the starting point. And there was some good stuff with Sarge and that whole arc with Sarge. There was some good stuff. Now, it's the rock opera that we keep talking about the singing, the rocks into being and stuff like that. Eh, Not the greatest, not the greatest, but seeing Clark Gregg get to have some fun being a bad guy. uh, There's some, there's some good stuff to that. But this season, I, there's a part of me that wishes, you know, we could have skipped Sarge altogether. We could have skipped Sarge and, and jumped directly into LMD Coulson and the Chronicoms. Yeah, I would I w- say skip Sarge, but skip rock opera lady. You know, just have a different storyline with Sarge. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how intertwined they were together, but I definitely I'm glad that this is what we're watching now and not ending on the Sarge rock opera storyline. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Winter Soldier and the ties to Winter Soldier, because this whole episode is about how the Chronicoms have changed the game. They are changing history, and Malik was supposed to die in 1970, but they arrive in 1973, and he is still alive. And not only is he still alive, he's basically running S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, you've got Patrick Warburton, who is... (laughs) coming back in the flesh. So he was a hologram before when they went to the lighthouse. Uh, but he is in the flesh. He is the actual, I can't remember his name, general though. He's, he's, he's a, a higher up, but Malik is there and the Chronicoms have guided Malik, guided him to start project insight and to start it a lot earlier. And Project Insight is when they're going to take the helicarriers. They had all the targets and they were going to take out targets before they were uh, had a chance to even really be a target, you know, and just take them out from above. And they're going to do the same thing only with satellites. They're going to send some satellites up and they're going to do that. And on their target list are uh, Bruce Banner and, and Nick Fury. And, you know, they're going to shut down S.H.I.E.L.D. before S.H.I.E.L.D. has a chance to really become what it needs to be. Okay. So how do you feel about this? <laughs> They've changed history. They've changed the timeline. And we are now, as far as the timeline that's moving forward from this point, it's different. It's new. They're, they, they're in a branching stream. Well, yeah, they're definitely in a waves, not ripples situation. Of course, then again, would the Chronicoms have stayed behind if they didn't take Daniel Sousa along? 
with them on the Zephyr. I think they would have. I think they would have because the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are making such problems for them. Well, more than that, I'm trying to connect, you know, are the agents at fault here or is it the Chronicoms? Uh, Would they have done this without the agents following them? No, because they would have already made the change at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, True. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're playing catch up because our good guys are being so awesome. Yeah. So the Chronicoms plan originally was to go to these key points and just cause one problem that would just change and shift history. Um, but they were jumping from point to point. And what's changed is that some Chronicoms stayed behind now. And they're not just going in to a timeline, to a point in the timeline, and like killing one person and changing it. They have spent 20 years guiding someone in the timeline now to to change it. Like it's a the whole... The Temporal Prime Directive has has 100% securely been smashed with the, uh, the Chronicoms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's not just the Chronicoms that are doing it. I mean, the shield has done it as well with, you know, taking Daniel Sousa along with them. They, they did that as soon as they made the decision that they were going to save him. Yes. And no, because what they did didn't change the history books. Right. So like everything that they did, Yes. Allowed the history no. books to be written the same way. Souza died True. on that night. He was shot. Um, as far as anyone knows, that's exactly what happened. And it goes into the history books like that. And that kind of goes along with the whole time travel idea of you can't change anything. And if you do change something, it was meant to be that way the whole time. That That's the theory of time travel that they have just, they were doing with, with Souza. Um but the Chronicoms are changing everything now. Yeah, they're playing with like three different versions of time travel theory. It's it's just like Star Trek. Yeah, like, right. Star Trek never got it uh, the same, you know? Well, no, because as soon as they did the same way, you, you got to think that the fans would have, well, back in season four, you did this. Well, back, I mean, even in the original series, it was already... Inconsistent. Yeah, they did, they did it at least twice. I can so, pinpoint. So a right fan now. watching, you know, season four of Star Trek Next Generation or or Star Trek First Contact can't say, well, you, you've broken your time travel rules. You know, you can't say right. that because the time travel rules for Star Trek are whatever fits the story. That's what at it's going to be. Yeah. And that seems to be the same thing with this, too. Right. Um, so whatever fits the story is going to be what what happens. Well, or it, the other thing that that it could be is that this is escalation, right? So the time travel reality, whatever it is, allows Chronicoms to make changes. And S.H.I.E.L.D. up until this point has been working to cause them to not be able to make changes. But the, the ability to make changes is there. And, and we know that, actually, because of the the whole arc where they went to the future and then came back and they finally stopped the loop and, and save the earth, you know, so that it didn't get destroyed by, uh, by quake or the, the destroyer of worlds, I think is what they call her. 
Right. Well, they called her that, but was she really the the one that caused the destruction of Earth in that loop timeline? Because well, was it was it her in the combination with um oh gosh, I cannot remember his name right the stash? now. The stash, yeah. yeah. Uh Talbot. Talbot, yeah. Was it in yeah, a, a yeah. combination of her powers with Talbot? I cannot remember right now. I'm that's, sorry. That's what it was. It was okay. what he was doing is what caused it. But my point being they changed history and the question is, you know, are, are we, do we have branching timelines here or do we have a fixed timeline? Um, you know, we don't know yet, but the question I'm having after this episode is, so where are they going with this? Are they going to be fixing? Clearly there's issues now. Uh, the agents of shield timeline and I'm going somewhere with this that I think will make sense, but I, I, I hope it makes sense by the time I get there. But the Agents of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. timeline that we've had from seasons one through six, you know, took those loops in season five or whatever. Um, but that timeline has Malik dying in 1970. Okay. With now Nathaniel. they are in a timeline where Malik dies in 1973. S.H.I.E.L.D. is a different place. And Project Insight is actually something that it's not just a secret project that got shut down in such a way that no one knows it ever happened. And so the timeline is secure, but there are a lot of agents, high ranking agents who know about project insight in 1973 and 1976 now. Um, and so that's, that's something that project insight in 2000, whenever that movie came out, 18, 17. I don't remember. Oh no, it's farther back than that. I think, but when, whenever, well. whenever winter soldier was though, yeah. the project insight, when it was, you know, if Hydra were to try and do it again, the timeline has changed. People knew about it. Hydra is different. It's going to be different in the winter soldier time. And so we are just moving even further away from what I'm going to call prime MCU timeline. We're definitely not stepping into it. And that's that's where I'm going with this, where I was hoping this is makes logical sense. But we've mm -hmm. talked about, like, is this going to change things so that when they get back in, say, the final episode or the next to the final episode, they're in MCU prime timeline where the snap happens. And, you know, because clearly in the timeline they were in in season six, the snap hadn't happened. There was, there was no evidence that the snap had happened. And they're stepping further away from it by, by making the, the Malik change could possibly exist, but yeah, not, the, not project insight. Yeah. In, and it didn't launch, right? Well, it launched and got shot down. It got shot down yeah. by the, that's right. Got shot down by the Zephyr. So, but it would still be there. It would still have like people would have files on it and there would be like, oh, this is a good idea, which it's not. But that would have gone into the, the history books that would have been taught in S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. Right. And right. and so when in Winter Soldier time time frame, 2015, whatever it might be, if Hydra were to say, hey, we've got an idea. Let's take the helicarriers and turn no, it into no, Project we Insight. Do that. We don't do that anymore. Right. Yeah. Th yeah. That's what would happen. We, we, we tried that once, you know, and um. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is a new timeline that's either going to be corrected 
to get back to whatever normal is, or I don't know what. I, I honestly, I've given up trying to figure out where they're taking us on this season because I just sit there and I watch and enjoy every minute that it's on. And then I wait for the next one. And I'm so glad they didn't drop them all at once. And I'm so glad we have to wait a week because now we get to sit and chew on it and discuss and think about it and, and do all those things. Because like I said, I think this is maybe the best season of this show. Well, I'm there with you. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. There's just such, because of those restrictions, you know, where mm-hmm. you feel like there's just so much freedom in that writer's room and I'm sure it's still a tight ship, you know, but they're just able to have so much fun. I mean, it's not even the kind of thing where they're like, oh, let's just throw crazy against the wall. It's we're doing time travel. We're going to go to the 70s. OK, and then it's just let the imagination flow. And the same with, you know, with the noir episode and, mm-hmm. and the UFO episode and. Uh, and and the the what's I mean. This is a great time to talk about the the opening to that sequel, opening to that show. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Now, I'm not a a child of the '70s. I was born in '79, but I've seen my fair share of '70s TV. That was '70s television oh, opening. Man, for you. was it the the first thing I thought about was just I, I I think I sent a message to you guys. Like all of a sudden, I realized I have this huge smile on my face. Yeah, now, it's it's not a huge smile. My smile is just not huge, you know? So my big smile is small compared to most people's regular smiles, but it was big for me, you know? And I was just grinning, not quite ear to ear because my lips don't reach that far, but, but close, you know, like it was just so much fun. My kids adored it. They loved it. Now they didn't catch all the vibe, but they're, I mean, I talked about this before on the podcast years ago. Um, my kids have seen every single episode of the six million dollar man and the bionic woman. Yeah. You know, it's and like, yeah. So they were there for that, you know. And so they're thinking, oh, this is cool. This is cool. It just reminded me of, you know, um, Streets of San Francisco, which yeah. that was where my mind went. Um, Daniel, Dandy Daniel Butcher, uh, his mind went to the A team, you know, where it's oh, yeah. that voiceover and, and that. But Streets of San Francisco and other shows like that in the seventies, they, they had the narrator speaking the cast, you know, and, and saying ABC presents, you know, and, and all that kind of thing. And it was great, but here is some interesting, you know, we've taken some, some journeys to quantum leap to Voyagers. I have a new one. And this one, I was surprised to see because I was looking up the title, a trout in the milk. Now, yeah. Trout in the Milk apparently was first used or first coined by Henry David Thoreau. He said, some circumstantial evidence is very strong as when you find a trout in the milk. And so I, I looked this up. This is not head knowledge that I had. This is stuff I looked up for this. Um, the idea is he seemed to be referring to people who would water down their milk. And so you may not know that they water down their milk because you didn't see them do it. But if there's a trout in the milk, you can probably guess that they put water in it because that's what, how the trout would have gotten in there. So that's where the phrase comes from. And it turns out, you know, he coined the phrase or at least used it. And, and so a lot of people use it afterwards. But then, 
Okay, so we're making our way around back to the MCU here. He says that. We use it for our title here with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was also the title of a TV episode of Streets of San Francisco. Wow. Wait. How do you like that? It gets better. Because do you know who was the co-star of Streets of San Francisco? A young Michael Douglas. So suddenly we are three degrees of separation or whatever with the MCU circle here that we're doing. But um, yeah, Uh, the episode, they use the phrase, they they actually attributed it to to Henry David Thoreau in that episode. But um, yeah, no, they are absolutely, again, this is them. Now with, with Sunset Boulevard last time, I'm able to pick out these things. I'm like, oh, this is this, this is this, you know, that kind of thing. But here, um, as I started looking up this phrase, I, I found myself like, wait, not only does this remind me of Streets of San Francisco, which is supposed to, but they are actually pulling a quote from Streets of San Francisco twice. Um, Sousa, Sousa says it twice, tries it out twice. But um, yeah, that's... I found that really interesting. And then to realize, wait a minute, Streets of San Francisco, that was Michael Douglas early on in his career who went to be an 80s uh, 80s uh, member of S.H.I.E.L.D. Makes me wonder if they had season six like written and ready to be filmed so they were able to film it, get it done, get it out of the way, and then the writers could actually go in and craft these stories. Well, because it, honestly, it seems to the the end of of last season does feel like it was rushed and it needed some more revisions before it could they could release a really strong product in the writing uh, portion. This season has been done for a while though. Like yes. that's the interesting thing is before last season even aired, they were shooting this season. Right. And I just think that they they may have had extra time though just because it was 13 episodes. Yeah, you know, last season, this season, thirteen episodes each, and they knew that the season was this season was going to exist, and so, yeah, maybe last season they had to hurry it up a little bit because that's going to be hitting the airwaves sooner. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like there is just a breezy creative freedom in this season where they just got to have fun and got to explore these different things and and. Yeah. So I feel like we're, we are being taken on a journey and, and I think I've said this before, so I apologize, but we're being taken on a journey and we are in good hands where that journey is going. We don't know where it's going because we are viewers of that going on right now, but we are. <laughs> yes. The train is very well conducted. I want to see Deacon a headband in the eighties. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to that. I, yeah, I am looking. Uh, I'm going to guess that they're going to jump from the 80s and 90s, possibly the early 2000s later. How many this episodes season? do we have left? Well, this was episode five, right? So we have eight left. Eight left. Hmm. So conceivably, they can do two episodes in each. You know, 80s, 90s, aughts. Tens that before 
They skipped the 40s, but I don't think they needed to visit the 40s. Well, they, they've been going two decades at a time. So it was um, ah, true. 30s to 50s to 70s. So I don't know. Are we moving into 90s next? I, I don't know. I know that we're still spending some time in the 70s because they didn't jump at the end of this episode. Yeah. Or they could be a certain portion of the season is dedicated to time travel. And at some point we are going to actually be in the so-called present time period. Yeah, I We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, see where the train takes us. <laughs> yeah, it. I I would like to think the writers are just sitting back, going, they have no idea. They just have no idea. And they're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is good. I love being in a place as a viewer where I have no idea what's coming next. Right. And we're being taken on a journey. So, like. I love watching Doctor Who, but even though they're supposedly, you know, all interconnected at some point, they're still standalone episodes. So, like, I don't have this immediacy to watch it when it comes on. This, I want to know what happens next. <laughs> so give it to me now. Except don't, because I like that. <laughs> Can't have it both ways, man. I like cake. And I get to eat it, too. So, yeah. Just remember that. <laughs> yes, we will remember that in the after credits. Yeah. Yes. So, can we talk about Gemma? Let's talk about Jenna. Because my son, as we're watching this, um, starts saying something about, oh, she's going to start having a problem with her implant. And I'm like, what? And he was just <laughs> talking. like, Like... And all of a sudden, she puts her hand on that blinking red light on her neck that shows that she's a Cylon. And <laughs> and he's like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I was right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what's going on with her? So, so there was some conversation with my kids. Is she yeah. an LMD or not? And the conversation was revolving around the idea that May still got emotional response from her but does not get emotional response from Coulson, who is an LMD. That's true. Did she get an emotional response from Enoch? I don't think I so, don't but think I think so. I mean, she beat him up. But. Yeah. By the way, Enoch pulling in with the, uh, with the, with the car and saying, get in if you want to continue existing was fantastic. Oh, and he's wearing the black turtleneck. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Everything about that moment was just so much fun, except for one thing. And that is that I had that spoiled for me because it was in the preview and it really shouldn't oh, have been. No, like, none of, nothing of these episodes should be in the previews. We should not be watching previews. I don't mind getting things in the preview. All right. But that would have been a moment that would have just been marvelous without having it spoiled for me. I agree. I did not see the preview but I think because for the longest time I kept thinking, was he captured by the Chronicoms and they yeah. have him somewhere? And yeah, no, I, he, he just got out at right at the correct time to save himself. I did not see a preview and it was marvelous. Yes. So I, uh, I actually think Gemma is a Chronicon, but she doesn't know she's a Chronicon. But she be. has emotions. That May can feel. 
She's yeah. a new hybrid Comic Con. See, that's save the world. That's that's what kills it for me is that there's the emotions there, and so could she be a I don't know a more modern one or something? I I don't know. Yeah. Now we need to talk about Fitz. Where's Fitz? We did get a promise that we will see him soon. I think he's still at home, you know, minding the kids, you know, being the stay-at-home dad and being a genius on the side, you know, working from Inventing home. Teflon. Yes. How does that make you? How does that make you feel, Ben? About about Fitz? I don't. Are we still at the same place? I am. I don't like this. Like this is very frustrating. I like this character. There is no reason. I mean, I every episode that goes by without him just raises the stakes for me of they better have a payoff and the payoff has to get better. It has to be better now. Like I was looking episode. He's not in it. It raises the better bar. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for, okay, the payoff better be a six out of 10, man. It better be. Now it's like, Nope, it better be a seven. Nope. Nope. Oh, he's still gone. And and I noticed it more this episode because he wasn't in that credit sequence. Oh yes. yeah, and I looked for that too. I come to think of it, it wasn't until this I saw this episode that I realized I really was not paying attention to the credits in the other episodes this season. Well, because they they're not they haven't been like like this was a credit sequence where they had you know it took time whereas. Credits nowadays are just little blurbs on the bottom of the screen where the action is actually happening. But back in the day, the streets of San Francisco, The Incredible Hulk, Quantum Leap, Star Trek The Next Generation, all of those shows, they had credit sequences that set the tone for the show. Here's here's the thing, Stuart, though, is we looked it up. You know, Samantha looked it up a couple episodes ago. And on IMDb, it said credits only for him. Yeah. And so I don't know if he was still in the credits or not. I would like to go back and check now to see. But he is a featured player. He is a main cast person. And it's been five episodes. I mean, we're almost halfway done with this season. And yeah. that is a it's a problem for me. It's a frustration for me. I like the character. They kill them off once. They could have just left him dead if this is what they wanted to do with him. Like, leave him dead, you know? But I, again, they can pay it off for me. And it it wouldn't be as bad if this wasn't the third season they've done this with him. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and then if you're talking about the Gemma and Fitz relationship, this is the fourth season they've done this with one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, with Gemma being off on the planet and um, yeah, I, I don't get why they do this unless, I mean, it's possible that, that what's his name? Ian, uh, I can't remember his name, but it's, it's possible. He just is, you know, the less, the less, the better, you know, for me and, or I want to go do another movie or something. He was an overlord. I don't know if you saw that movie, um, but it was a, a movie that was rumored to be one of the Cloverfield uh, cycle or whatever, uh, but it ended up just being a, its own thing. A, it's a World War II kind of uh, action horror mashup kind of thing. 
Mm. I'm wondering if he's if it's in his contract whether or not he gets paid if he's credit only or not because I it's not I know that's not a standard thing I know that it depends on the um, negotiations of contracts I know it can change from season to season sometimes depending on the show but I'm wondering if he if he at least gets like a, a base amount if he's going to be written out but he's not written out. They keep talking about him and they, they're teasing him. He's going to come back. But he has been temporarily written out of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at with that. Not too. There not too is pleased. something there is something going on and it needs to get remedied fairly soon. Yeah. And I've noticed with a lot of sci-fi shows, especially ensemble ones, that when they need to make budget cuts, sometimes they will send one or two characters away for an episode or two. They did it a lot in Eureka. I noticed, like, you, there were very few episodes that had all of the, the main characters um, in an episode, especially as the series went on. Yeah, but that... A show like that, of course, I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about because I haven't finished that season or series yet. But shows with large casts, you have your primary people who are in basically every episode. And there's even some shows where I can't remember which ones, but I, I remember looking at trivia for a show where it was like only one person was in every single episode of this series. You know, and, and that's just because, yeah, you, you have the opportunity to have a week off or a couple weeks off, even if you're main cast, because you have your you have your Kirk, Spock and McCoy. You know, they're going to be in every episode. And or you have your Picard and your data, they're going to be in every episode. But Dr. Crusher doesn't have to be in every episode. And and that's different than what they're doing here, for sure. This is deliberate. I mean, there. This is this is my opinion. Is this is beyond just a contract negotiation? Like that, there may have been a contract negotiation after the fact, but they are setting it up to be. This is he is gone for a specific plot reason, or at least it better be. <laughs> yes, but our problem is it's the third time in a row that they've done this. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not denying yeah. that. I'm just saying that that. At this point, it has to be resolved. Like, he has to come walking in with the Avengers. He's like, hey, guys, I found some friends. They're going to help us. And it's Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Okay, so you're saying you want 11 is what you're saying. Like, yeah, I I don't (laughs) think we're going to get 11. I'll just throw that out there. But if they give me eight, you know, so on a scale of one to 10, give me eight, you know. What's it going to be? I, I don't know. If they write it well, it won't right. matter. Right. And when we get to that point, we'll be, yes, all right, you know, and we'll be cheering that he is back. And it right. won't be the kind of thing that that it is right now where it's just, come on. We're just looking at our watch. And, okay, another episode. No fits. And what's sad is we're, we got on this podcast and we said – we loved this episode. This is our favorite episode, our favorite season, and blah, da, 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 da. And now we're talking about, like, the one problem it's having, which is where's Fitz. But it's not just the one problem for this episode. I mean, this is this is an ongoing, an ongoing, ongoing, an ongoing frustration. Thing. Yeah. We should make T-shirts that says, where's Fitz? 
Uh, and then next next week there'll be a Fitz episode, and we'll be like, "Oh, great, we made all these T-shirts." <laughs> In, it, it, was it was worth thinking, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking. You mentioned that he would roll in with the Avengers. Um, supposedly at the okay, I'm going to spoil Endgame. You know, spoiler alert. There you go. Um, supposedly Steve Rogers traveled to the late '70s to return the Tesseract, I believe, um, to that version of Shield. Um, mm-hmm. Because he he went to where, yeah uh, he had he had to return all the uh, the the stones to, to the New Jersey New Jersey site in okay right right um so I'm wondering are they going to run into Steve Rogers? It's possible. Steve and Rogers then, has know, been all over the place in time now, and so yeah, anything's yes, possible. Yeah. But I'm also wondering, are we going to have a Daniel Sousa, Steve Rogers, nose-to-nose sort of conversation where um, I don't think it'd be fair to put them in a fist fight um, for poor Sousa's sake. Um, <laughs> but I think to have... Walk like, out of their two broken legs. Yeah, to, to sort of like, you know, verbally spar a little bit, you know, with just some subtle sparring um, in their conversation um, about... Peggy Carter, that would be interesting. Yeah. Speaking of Peggy Carter, she is also one that they name drop as being on the Project Insight list. I did not mm-hmm. pause it on the list uh, to see uh, because when I rewatched uh, the episode, it was on my phone. And when it was happening in real time on my TV, I didn't even think about, you know, how, how what's the name? What, what is it? You know, but Peggy Carter was also on Project Insight as one of their targets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we um I think Bruce Banner, a young Bruce Banner was on that list. Yeah, and um, Nick Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Um we know that um Mac's parents are taken prisoner. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting with Mac. Yes. Where um they put his parents in danger and he could not go through with the mission. Um, but you know, again, that's kind of a Colson call too. remember the math, uh, what was the, the human math or whatever it was that they were talking about a few seasons ago. And for Colson, it was acceptable losses, zero, like that's, what's acceptable. And, um, that's, that's Mac too. Now the difference was this was Mac's parents. Um, I'm not sure how old he is, but po- possibly a little bit before he was born. Yes. Um, so one, he's fearing for his parents' lives, and two, he may even be fearing for his own life. Except, here's the thing: Deke is also afraid. You know, he brings up Bobo, and he's like, "You know, if you and and Grandpa don't blah blah blah, then I'm not gonna." And I'm just thinking, no, this we've already shown this is not a Back to the Future situation here. You know, you're not going to disappear, man. You know. They are not going to have the child that becomes his mother in the same timeline that he exists in. He will not. I'm convinced he he doesn't exist as a baby in the future of this version of of uh, Fitz and Simmons. Hmm. He just he is a leftover. He's he's a well, yeah he's left, a man out of time. He's a leftover from a different time timeline. Mm-hmm. He had his mother. He had his grandparents. And he should not be sad that they're not going to be born in this timeline. He's not going to you know, see his mother as a baby. 
because no one gets to see that, you know? And so it doesn't matter that she's not going to be born because she was born and he had time with her and he's going to have other aunts and uncles that never existed. Well, that's to have him say that. I, I, the only reason to have him say that is to ask the question where's Fitz. Right. Because otherwise he doesn't care really. I mean, he cares that Fitz isn't there, but And he's really the only one who would be like, well, brash enough to be like, where is he? Right. So it takes Gemma to to sort of quell that. But the only reason he's asking that is for our sake, because we're going, where's Fitz? But it was also for our sake to see Gemma act really confused when he asks about Bobo. And act really Mm -hmm. weird. And then Mm -hmm. finally be like, oh, Oh yeah, Fitz, he's out there somewhere. And so that's, you know, the person who thinks that she's an LMD, I don't, I still don't. But to the person who thinks that she is an LMD, that's actually really good evidence right there that she may not be aware of who Bobo is, or she wasn't, you know, she had to access that information or something like that. Um, That this is a stand in for real Simmons that, that, that moment there could be proof. I've wondered if she is an LMD that is attached through time, through a framework-like situation that is attached to a real Gemma who can come in and out of the framework and somehow access that information from the LMD or Fitz can access that information or or somehow um, to communicate. But that's that's just a wild theory. Here's my wild theory. My wild theory is that that glowing thing we saw and, you know, Enoch is getting ready to help her. She's had her mind wiped. She has had a lot of memories about Fitz removed. And so she doesn't know where he is at all. I, th- I think that that's, that's part of the issue. And, and that glowing, three little glowing dots there, are not because she's a chronicom because we haven't seen any chronicon with that. We haven't seen any LMD with that. That's her. It's actually her. And that is like a memory inhibitor or something like that. That's, uh, so that's they my... can't find fits. Right. So if they find her, they're not going to get the information from her mind because it's gone. It's wiped. Now, I don't know why okay. she has to have like a constant thing there. Uh, I, I don't know. But that's that's my current theory with what's going on with her. I don't know. I think that there is something going on with Gemma. Uh, obviously, there's something going on with Gemma. <laughs> no, everything's normal. That there's a shield normal. episode on. Um, everything's normal. Everything's fine. Yeah. I think the next episode really has to consider that Gemma fits situation. Yeah, it's time. It'll be half. It'll be halfway through the season because it wasn't six. Or would that be seven? Well, I mean, technically, I guess halfway through the season would be halfway through episode seven. Okay. Yeah. But even then, we're getting really close. Wouldn't it be fun if they had a halfway turning point, halfway mid mid season twist, like the mid episode twist from Days of Yore? Yeah, except, I mean, really, in a as short a season as this, if there's any kind of big twist, it's mid-season. So it's... That's true. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about Deke. 
a little bit. Deke, yeah, first of all, that. steps up to Sousa. Sousa's like, I was plucked out of my life. And then Deke gets to yell at him, we all were. And Sousa realizes, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Uh, but that was a moment that, an unusual moment of clarity from Deke there. Uh, and then you have this where last episode they talked about being agents of status quo. Let's change that next time we get a chance. Deke did not kill Frederick, Fred, Wilfred, Wilfred Malik back in the 30s. In the 50s, he was released from Malik's custody because of what he did in the 30s. And now in the 70s, he straight up shoots him in the chest without prejudice. With the blood. With the real gun, not a nicer. Yeah. No, this was... Which that moment for me, watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and knowing that they have icers, that using that real gun to actually kill someone, that was a little disturbing for me. Just a little bit. It was quite a moment, you know? Yes. And was it out of character? No. I mean, he came from a world where they would, you know, sound the alarm and and people had to kill someone, you know, or or be killed. Um, But man, he just... The, he, um, uh, Malik says the Chronicoms have seen everything, you know, and then he shoots, shoots Malik and says, "Did they see that?" Of course, Malik couldn't answer. First of all, because he doesn't know, and second of all, because he's dead. But with his dying breath, he goes, "Yeah, they <laughs> did." Well, <sighs> we never saw the picture that's in the envelope. Yeah. And so the question is, was the picture in the envelope uh, some sort of proof or some sort of thing oh, showing a shot of Malik dead? Yeah. Yeah. Or was it, uh, you know, the picture of uh, of Mac's parents? Because that's where we cut to right after that is as as Yo-Yo is looking at the picture and then she's like, oh, no. And then that's when Mac realizes my parents are there. What did the Chronicoms say though? They said, this is like insurance or something like that. Something. So that's why I think it might've been Max parents that that yo-yo got to see there. But uh, man, so much to talk about this episode, but I think we're missing one of the biggest points and that is the jumpsuits. Yes. Like (laughs) every good bond villain and like actual shield agents from the comic books. The blue jump show, jumpsuit with the white trim, the symbol. Uh, this was lifted straight from the comics. Straight from the comics. And of course, That's then cool. let's hang a lampshade on this. As Yo-Yo says, no one good has has their people running around in, in jumpsuits like this. You know, this is the Bond villain thing. You, you've seen that, right? Yeah. But that's pretty cool. I <laughs> See, I'm glad that I'm glad that a I talked to you about this, and b if I didn't talk to you about this, I'd still listen, um, because I wouldn't have caught that, and I'm glad that that was the thing that was the case, because that to me says that this show was in good hands. Yeah, and and they're definitely embracing, you know, and, and I like it when you have a show like this, and they say, okay, we're gonna embrace the past. You know, and so, yeah, they, they have the new uniforms, the the pictures. I remember the, when their pictures were coming out with season one 
and they're wearing the, the leather jackets with the armband, you know, and, and different things like that. And it's very modern looking, you know, very, and they MCU'd it, you know, but they don't have anything to lose now. They have just Ooh. shown us that in at least this timeline. So in Malik's shield of the seventies, I'll put it that way with Malik's shield of the seventies shield wore those uniforms. And that's kind of cool. Now, is it cool that it was a bad guy maybe who chose the wardrobe? Okay, maybe not, but that's that's not not cool. But uh, and we'll we'll find out, you know, if this timeline is a prime timeline or not. Um, but if it is, then that's even cooler to me that yes, in the MCU, in at least the seventies, there were people who were running around in those uniforms. Yes, because they weren't in Endgame. Yeah. Plus, in um. That's also a nod to costuming in uh, older shows or from that era because um, when you had to cut make cutbacks and they those cutbacks were in costuming, uh, those uniforms are cheap and easy to make and you don't have to alter them to fit people. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, because you can just make certain sizes and just throw them at the extras. Yeah, that's why the Bond villains were wearing orange jumpsuits or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was straight up from the comics. Like this is them going to right. their costumer and saying, "Blue jumpsuit, book, blue jumpsuit, white trim." Yep. Go. It's, yep. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Um, and, but but that's where saying. Yo-Yo gets to say, like, once you see this in real life, this is what it looks like, and. Again, you hang the lampshade on the ridiculousness of it, but you also embrace the ridiculousness of it. I thought they were quite fetching in that color blue. (laughs) Samantha wants to have a blue jumpsuit. That's an easy Halloween costume. That is so easy. Yes. Get on that now. You got like three more months, four more months. I will call. I will contact my in-laws who all have sewing machines. I need to get one. There you go. Hey, let's talk about another uh, tie-in to the MCU here. At the end, Malik's son, Nathaniel. I think I got the right one. Um, Yes. He was kidnapped, quote unquote, by by Quake and got to see her use her powers in 1973. When the Chronicoms did the jump to 1976, causing the S.H.I.E.L.D. team to not be able to take out Project Insight. Um, the Chronicoms come. They show up the day the Project Insight is going to go into uh, into motion. And Nathaniel, I think, again, I, I think it's Nathaniel, but but uh, Malik's son comes and takes Sousa and Quake out with a cool laser gun. And... Uh, and then calls Whitehall. Now he can't mm-hmm. talk to Whitehall because Whitehall's in prison, but he's asking to get instructions from Whitehall about extracting powers or something. Mm-hmm. He's after Quake's power. Okay, it's it interesting. Me, it's, it's, to it feels like it's been ten million years since we've seen Whitehall. What did he do? So wasn't he like experimenting on Inhumans? Yeah, yeah. So he was well. Oh, he experimented on Daisy's mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And he wanted to steal her ability to regenerate, and it just never happened. He just hurt her No, a lot. no. He, yeah, he just kept taking her apart and putting her back together again because of her abilities. And 
yeah, evil guy. I mean, he's Hydra, obviously, so that makes him <laughs> there, there's evilness involved in being part of Hydra. But yeah, it just it's a cool tie-in, and this is making the victory lap. Now, I still want to see young Colson, <laughs> but but we'll wait. You know, there's time. I don't know that I want to see a Daniel Whitehall. I think just having him call was enough. Well, we may not see him because he was not asking to talk to him. He was asking to get written instructions. Right. So it's, yeah, he, he, his presence is felt. Mm -hmm. His presence is felt, if not seen for sure. Okay. Let's see anything else from your notes. I mean, there's a lot in this episode, man, but this episode is its going to be long if we, if we, we've gone long, but we haven't talked about May much. She hasn't done much. I mean, she's, she's experienced emotions and that was a, that was a thing, but she, we don't have any resolution to her arc yet. But we're getting there. We're getting there. Yo-Yo has acted more and done more things. Um, and she's she didn't use her powers today or in this episode. I w- at first I thought maybe they were going in that direction that she was using her powers when she was running through the Zephyr to get yeah. out. And I'm just like, wait a minute, if she gets out of the Zephyr and the Zephyr goes through time, but she's using her powers, but she was just running and it was a little bit of a slow motion effect to it. I think. Yeah. I thought that they had, I thought that they were going to do that with her, but they didn't. So uh, Colson is acting like he's just Colson now. Um, he's talking about his memories and, and we're not getting a whole lot of, you know, Colson's memories are this and they're letting that whole plot line simmer a little bit. I think I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, he's walking down the street in New York and it's fun to see him happy, you know, and, and excited about life. Um, and annoying may, uh, but she's only annoyed because she's around New Yorkers in the Saturdays right. and, and they're annoyed. So, cause it's New York. Yeah. Nobody makes eye contact. Wait till they have, uh, have cell phones. <laughs> What's a cell phone? Yeah. This, Whoa! Sorry, I spiked the mic. That was a fun thing, though. <laughs> that was a fun yeah. moment. Yeah. And I, I remember I heard something that Apple products can only be used by heroes. So she was carrying an iPhone 10 or X or whatever <laughs> it is. But if if there was a villain on the screen, they'd be carrying an Android. That's true. Yeah, I think it's in um, Apple's contract with everybody when they lend out their phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. You don't want your your product uh, associated with a bad guy. And if you can have your op- opposing product associated with the bad guy, more is the better, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Um. I really enjoyed the chemistry between uh, Sousa and Daisy in this episode. Not necessarily romantic chemistry, 
Um, but just they seem to really bond this episode and connect really well. And they worked well together without communicating directly. Right. Like Sousa steps into that conversation at the party with the cake that says, congratulations, Project Insight. Um, but he steps into that conversation that she's having with the other uh, Malik son and just walks right into it and picks it right up on whatever's going on. And they together roll with it. And then, yeah, their whole moment with the, the computer Actually, both their moments with the computer where he has no idea what's going on and he's amazed how small that computer is. It's like maybe that computer's not powerful enough because it's so, so small. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, you ain't seen nothing. Check this out. <laughs> yeah. I wondered if she had a little lecture with him about, you know, microchips because uh, they were developed in the 70s. Not yet because they got zapped pretty quickly after that. <laughs> late 70s they were developed in the late 70s if I, if I remember correctly I wonder if they're going to make a Star Wars reference in the next episode oh please let them do the chewy like the uh, the Wookiee prisoner routine but they are please. in I 70 they're in 76 right now right so it hasn't come out yet and they will be I I think moving into the 80s I don't think they're going to skip the 80s I mean they, they've done 20 year jumps so far, but um, I think we'll, we'll we'll hit the 80s. We might hit the 90s, which would give us an opportunity to see young Coulson uh, in Captain Marvel time period. Yes and no. I mean, they're in Coulson and, and Fury and everybody in Captain Marvel's in, on the West Coast. Yeah, but they're all over the place with. Oh, I guess you're right, because they are sticking around. No, they were in, they were on the they're on the West Coast for the last episode. Oh, that's right, because they were in Roswell or wherever it was. Yeah, yeah, and then and then they were in L.A. So not only are they jumping space, they're jumping, or not only are they jumping time, they're jumping space as well. Yeah, yeah, but the bar is New York. The bar. Yeah. Hmm. The crazy canoe. That's what it was. (laughs) I am looking. I I, I just fangirling in my head. I am hoping that, you know, as they're hopping through space, that they pass the TARDIS. Because why not? (laughs) So (laughs) I can give you a couple reasons why not. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. But this is in my head. Okay. Let's just, um, um, you know, amuse me here. So, okay. You're amused. Uh, So the, the password he entered was Swordfish. Was it really? Yes, it was. I and didn't I was notice very that. disappointed. They were a spy organization and they keep the same password for what, 40 years? <laughs> they obviously have not read the the Microsoft terms of service changing your password every yeah. three and a half hours. Okay. Well, we need to move on, I think. We only have one bit of uh, feedback. And that is from 084. And 084 says this. Well, all that happened. I feel like all the setup of the last episode really paid off here. Souza is adapting the best he can, but there's only so much a person can take before they start to lose it like he did on Simmons and Deke. There's some really fresh out of the ice Steve Rogers vibes he's putting off. I did like the on-screen chemistry between him and Daisy, though. Her showing him that not all tech is bad was a nice moment. Is LMD Simmons still a thing? 
I was sure this was the episode where she would reveal it at the end and then lead us to a Fitzsimmons flashback extravaganza next week. But alas, no such luck. Still, they're pushing the idea pretty hard with her and Enoch's conversation, despite the fact that she apparently wasn't affected by the EMP in episodes three and four, like Coulson was. Stopping for a moment, that's another point. Yeah, that's a good yes. point. All right. Because the Chronicoms were affected by the EMPs too, huh? They were. They were. So she can't be a Chronicom. But if that is an inhibitor on her neck, then would an E I think an EMP still would have somehow affected the inhibitor at some in, on some level. Ooh, good point. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe it's it's an organic inhibitor because plot. Yeah, or maybe they just didn't even think about it. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so back to the message. It's clear from the writing that they're paying attention to themselves. They're acknowledging mostly everything that reviews and podcasts have questioned so far, including Simmons' confusion with the random timer, the Malik chronology from season three, and of course, May and Yo-Yo's inconsistencies in the early episodes. That impresses me, considering this has been in the can for over a year. Finally, I'm hoping not to hear too much Mac hate this week. In his position, I can't say I would have flooded that base with my parents inside, even if I was the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. preventing a Hydra attack. At least he had a semi-effective plan B that hopefully won't have too many consequences next week, although I'm sure the consequences will lead to some fun action. Until next time. And I would just throw out there that... um, Again, I, I just go back to Coulson and his, you know, how many, what's what's acceptable losses? Zero. That's acceptable losses. That's what we plan for. That's what we do. And that's what S.H.I.E.L.D. does. And that's what Mac is kind of doing here. And then you have Deke doing the exact opposite. And and just just killing, killing uh, Malik. No, I wondered um, th- when Malik kidnapped Deke in the 50s in the last episode I wondered if Deke in the back of his mind made the decision the next time we meet I kill you I think he did at least he kind of gives that impression when he was having that conversation with Yo-Yo mm. he's like next time we do something about it or she maybe okay. said that. I can't remember who said that but okay. one of them said that and then that's what happened he did something about it so do we hate on Mac no. No, no, we didn't. But he was Mac saying is that the he, heart of the show. He didn't want to hear any because of his decision is what 084 okay. was saying. Yeah. No. No, but I mean Mac has become one of the has become the moral core of the show. So would he want to kill his parents whether or not he was born already? No. No. I'm sure he has a great relationship with his parents and he loves them very much. So no, no hate on Mac. We love him. But the other thing is, yeah, could he? Would he have made that same decision with someone else in that place? I think he would have. I think he still would have not gone ahead with it when he realized there were innocent people in that place who were going to die. But he would have had to seen the video feed because he at one point said, "Well, you know, bigger picture." Yeah. He did I, when he was coming up with it. Plan A. You know, they were like, well, what about the innocents in the prisons? Well, you know, that's where you're going to come in. You're going to get me live feeds. We're going to try to help them. But ultimately, this is more important. And then he saw his parents and he was like, well, we're done. Can't. I think any if he had seen anyone there, he might have 
done the same thing. I really do. But the fact that it was his parents, that was the Chronicom's plan. Like that was, we're going to use his parents because that's going to be a better, better way to do this. I got to say, it is going to be interesting to see our team vanquish the Chronicoms because ultimately they're going to, because of the good guys and they're going to win. So the journey getting there is going to be very interesting. I think I'm, I'd be curious to see like what kind of quote unquote nonviolent way they have to stop the Chronicoms, not to destroy them, not genocide, but to stop them. To hack into their mainframe. And then give them a virus. No, just to change yeah, yeah, the objective. a virus from their Mac. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I wonder if it's going to be like, um, they, they, I wonder if they're going to Kirk speech them to death, you know, or Picard speech them to death, where they just decide, oh, okay, fine, we're going to go. We're sorry. Hey, we got to wrap this episode up. So, final words. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, thank you for the feedback. And we can't wait to hear from you guys on the next episode. And thank you to our Patreon patrons. Ben, we got to get those names over okay. to me. <laughs> because I accidentally erased the list I had before. Well, write those two down. Okay. It's, it's, they're written. And then send I, me a message so I can remember. But okay. Paper, pencil. I literally wrote it down. All right. Cool. Wait, do you know how to write? What what is writing? I thought we just used phones. All right. Well, it's time to say goodbye. And I just want to say I've been really enjoying this season. And I think anybody who isn't enjoying this season and who thinks the season is bad or awful or whatever, I just would say to you that 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 is just Tommy Rot. That is Codswallop. That is Claptrap applesauce. That is horse feathers. It's flap doodle. It's it's fiddle faddle. That that only a blatherskite would say. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Oh, must be old timey speak. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Okay, so we're back, and uh, we've added one more person to the call, and that is because we want to, um, well, just talk about something kind of cool that's going on in uh, Stuart's realm. So um, that person we've added is Melissa. Welcome. Hello. And uh, Melissa, you are Stuart's uh, significant other, his wife, if you would. Is that right? 
Yes, (laughs) for 18 years now. (laughs) Oh, nice. So, uh, but something special is going on with you guys right now. And we talked a little bit briefly at the beginning of the episode, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of talk through uh, a little bit what you're doing and how can we support you uh, we as as uh, listeners to the podcast and as as friends and as people who are um, yeah friends with Stuart. So yeah, so what's going on with uh, this? This is a bakery, correct? That you're doing yes. a Kickstarter for? Yes. So um, we live in a really small town, and they decided to have a contest this year where they wanted new business ideas, and we actually won. We beat out fourteen other businesses. And we were given a location to open our gluten-free bakery. All right. And so now you're doing a Kickstarter um, to also kind of – well, just explain what's going on with that. So the reason we're doing the Kickstarter is we are trying to put all new equipment into this bakery location so that we can ensure that we are certified gluten-free so that there will be no chance of cross-contamination whatsoever. We want it to be a safe place because a lot of people – in this little town actually need to eat that way um, for health reasons or whatever. We have a lot of people with celiac or Crohn's disease or who just have a gluten intolerance. And so we're trying to provide a safe place for them to come get yummy bakery items. So what caused you, this is, I feel like I'm, I actually am doing an interview. What caused you though to, uh, (laughs) to do this? Like what, what's, uh, what's behind this for you? So, um, our, our daughter is gluten-free. We discovered that when she was about two years old, and she's going to be turning 14 in a few weeks. And so for the last 12 years, I have been trying to figure out ways to feed her and, you know, real food and not cardboard and to make her feel like she's, you know, this the same as everybody else. And so I've been developing these recipes. And a couple of years ago, it kind of smacked me on the forehead and said, hey, maybe other people need to eat this way too. So we just um, started selling and it sort of exploded, but we've outgrown our little home-based bakery and that's why we're trying to move into an actual uh, brick and mortar location. Uh, Okay. So how can people support you then in this? You're doing the Kickstarter and what's, what's going on with that? So we are so close to our goal. We actually set a goal of $5,000 on Kickstarter and we need just over a thousand more to actually reach our goal. Because as you know, with Kickstarter, if you don't make it to your goal, you don't get any of the pledged money. So um, even if people aren't able to donate themselves, if they can just share the promotion, share the Kickstarter so that people who are able to donate, um, We'll see it. But even if everybody who's listening was able to give a dollar or two, it would certainly help us on our way to reaching our goal. And um, one thing that's been said about my bakery is that people can't tell that it's gluten free. And in fact, it in contests against food with gluten in it, I've actually been told mine tastes like it's the gluteny food and not and the other people's it tastes like the gluten free. And um, a few years ago, I took best in show at the Dickinson County Fair with a gluten-free dessert item, um, which caused a little bit of an uproar. But so we are selling, um, part of our Kickstarter campaign is we are selling cookie of the month kits or I mean like clubs. And so if people are out there and they want to have yummy treats just delivered to their door, that's one way they could support us is by, by enrolling in a cookie of the month club. And then once we're open, we're going to start, start shipping them right away. 
Yeah, my uh, my sister has three kids with celiac, and okay, yeah, it's it's rough for them. It's also yes. rough for uh, the one kid who doesn't because oh gosh, there's just a lot of <laughs> a lot of dietary stuff going on in that house. So absolutely, um, yeah, yep. it's it's well, it, and and like you, I'm sure are aware, it's really hard to have children who have, would like to have a birthday cake. Um, and have this sort of gluten intolerance and especially with celiacs. Right. So, uh, you know, like one of the guiding forces in this is how do you tell a, a, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old that they can't have a birthday cake that that's just inconceivable to us. And so thankfully, um, Melissa was blessed with some very fantastic baking skills. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm attached. Um, but <laughs> You know, she's she's literally been able to make things that out of nothing and, and really become a blessing to the small little town. So what's the time frame on the Kickstarter? What are so the dates we on have, that? Um, it's, it's currently going and we have until 11.59 p.m. on July 12th to make our goal. Okay. All right. And do you have like a, a website link or something or something easy to – to remember that we can tell people the link will be in the show notes for this episode and we'll also be sharing it on our facebook page well um unfortunately no kickstarter the the website that they give us is really long but um it's called help oh gosh it's called help bring our gluten-free bakery to life i believe and so um yep help bring our gluten-free bakery to life is um the kickstarter and actually if under projects it's D-N-G-D, which stands for Dolce Nella Gourmet Desserts, and then 49801, which is our zip code. So that's sort of the little um, vanity tag that they let us put in there. Um, I don't know if that'll help or not. <laughs> well, but we'll we'll have uh, a link in the in the show notes on the blog for this episode, and then we'll also be sharing it on Facebook. Um, and... Yeah, Thank you. we'll 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 get it out there as best as we can, and then yeah. But if, as long as people know what to search for, too, that's the other thing. So yeah, yeah. 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 And there's a um, a photo of a bright basket of chocolate chip cookies when you when you find it. So <laughs> I don't know if that'll help or not. <laughs> well, it'll help them know if they got to the right one or not. So yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So all right, perfect. Um, I actually have a question for Melissa. Sure. Can you describe some of your more popular treats? Yes. Um, so the dessert that I won the um, with the fair was a almond raspberry cake with um, our homemade buttercream recipe. And actually, Stuart is my buttercream maker. So I put him to work a couple times a week making frosting for me. And that one is one of our best sellers. But one of my favorites right now is called The Good Stuff. And it is a chocolate cookie with um, Reese's peanut butter cups chopped up into it and then caramel chunks all throughout. And that is definitely going to be one of the first ones that gets sent out with the cookie club. It's just so good. It melts in your mouth and it has all of the good stuff in it. So that's one of my favorites. Um, we do have vegan versions of these things as well. Obviously, they would be a little different, um, but I do make practically everything from scratch so if i can recreate it i'm i'm going to thanks melissa we appreciate you. you uh spending some time with us and you know Stuart's part of the part of the family so we want to get the word out awesome thank you so much